me go actually to something that is obviously on everyone's mind right now. And I'm actually going to read some of this because I did try to get my thoughts uh, down uh, for a couple of close colleagues the other day. This has to do, of course, with the threat that faces us in Iraq and in Syria from the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. And again, keep in mind, it's the Levant, which is bigger than Syria. It includes Jordan, as our friends here know, uh, and also Lebanon. In my view, President Obama's speech on Wednesday night provided a strong case establishing the threat posed by ISIL to the region and to the world. A compelling argument for combating ISIL in Iraq and over time in Syria as well. And a good point of departure for the strategy that we'll pursue to disrupt and then destroy ISIL. And I note that the term destroy, this is a very ambitious mission. In fact, in Yemen and Somalia, by the way, this is off the record, Chris and Wolf and others. Um, <laughs> Uh, in Yemen and Somalia, the two cases the president cited as examples and others have repeated since then, we have not even defeated, which is a less ambitious mission than that of destruction. We have not defeated the extremist groups who have helped host nation governments and forces combat. We've done some important work there, but again, destroy is a very high bar. Similarly, in fact, we have significantly degraded al-Qaeda leadership in western Pakistan, where, of course, Bill McRaven's forces took out Osama uh, and other elements uh, reportedly, according to the press. I can't comment as a former director of the CIA, took out three number twos in a row, 12 of the top 20 during a particular period of time. But we have not defeated, much less destroyed, al-Qaeda senior leadership, and thus we must continue to disrupt it. That is a fact that we have to confront. I would note further that the strategy will need to be fleshed out considerably, and that's okay. I, I don't believe that it's a requirement to tell the enemy what we're going to do to him until after we've done it. Um, like Bill, I'm not a huge fan of a fair fight. Uh, beyond that, in both countries, but in Syria in particular, we will likely have to do more than a bit of experimenting with our operations to see what works. On Iraq, we should not underestimate the capabilities of the Iraqi security forces, regardless of their performance up in the north, now that the political meddling in their chain of command has been reduced. And that was a huge cause of the problem. Also, replacement of good commanders we knew with sectarian loyalists and an inability uh, of the commander-in-chief's office, the prime minister's office, to which he had all these units reporting to conduct a counteroffensive operation that was required. Beyond that, we should not overestimate in Iraq the capabilities of ISIL. It has nowhere near the roots, the numbers, and the structure in the Sunni Arab communities that al-Qaeda in Iraq and its Sunni insurgents associates had at the start of the surge. Nor is Iraq on fire the way it was in late 2006 and early 2007, regardless, again, of the huge challenges and violence. Beyond that, the Iraqi government and Iraqi forces can perform many of the critical tasks that we had to perform during the surge in terms of reconciliation, reestablishment of local services, reconstruction of damaged infrastructure, and restoration of the rule of law. And Iraq happily can pay for all of it with an oil industry that exports some 2.5 million barrels per day. Now, the big challenges for Iraqi Prime Minister Abadi, I think, will emerge after ISIL has been cleared from areas 
where Sunni, Shia, and Kurdish militia will then wrangle and in some cases fight over who gets to control the area. Indeed, getting the Shia militia back on the leash and under state control will prove particularly challenging to a Shia-led government, albeit a government of national unity. But touch wood, I think the way forward in Iraq can work over time with us providing the intelligence pic picture, helping with planning and coordination of operations by embedding as we are in Iraqi command posts and headquarters, which still exist and are quite functional, and enabling ground forces, Iraqi ground forces, to advance with our precision fires enabling that. Obviously, we're going to have to help with the reconstitution of units that collapsed in the north under ISIL's pressure, due, again, large measure to the inadequate coordination of a counteroffensive operation for which there were more than enough Iraqi troops. And we'll have to resume a robust security assistance effort as well. It will st still be all hard all the time, as Ambassador Crocker and I used to say, and there will be no end of drama. But Iraq, I think, is doable. On Syria, I strongly support congressional authorization of the funding for the training and equipping of the Free Syrian Army Forces, but I would note that the situation there will be much more complex and challenging than even that in Iraq, as tough as Iraq will be. The coalition members will have to, for the first time, work to achieve unity of effort and coordinate all assistance in a coherent program that funnels resources through the Free Syrian Army headquarters and thus empowers Free Syrian Army leaders for the first time, vice providing resources directly to the battalions in favor uh, with the coalition countries that are making uh, resources available to them. And of course, uh, my old deputy, General uh, Retired John Allen, a great officer who did so much to foster the awakening in Anbar province in Iraq during the surge, has just been announced uh, as the individual who will help uh, indeed with that effort. The Free Syrian Army will have to be our ground force over time, requiring ISIL forces to mass to fight the Free Syrian Army so that our air assets can hammer ISIL elements. Beyond that, the Free Syrian Army will also have to fight not just ISIL, but also Jabhat al-Nusra, the Al-Qaeda affiliate in Syria, noting that, of course, ISIL was voted off the island by Al-Qaeda because they're too extreme even for them. Uh, and also will have to combat Bashar al-Assad's regime forces, which are, of course, augmented by Lebanese Hezbollah, advised by the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps Quds Force, and funded by Iran. Each of these tasks will be very significant. As the Free Syrian Army is trained and developed, apparently, in Saudi Arabia, we undoubtedly will see... Uh, the ISIL capabilities in Syria degraded in a number of ways, particularly by air operations, as the President noted will be the case in his speech. Beyond that, we should recognize that over time, we likely will have to take out the Syrian Air Force, as it will be impossible for us to operate and to establish a free Syrian headquarters in Syria as it needs to be, with barrel bombs being dropped on it on a regular basis. And we'll likely also have to take out the Syrian integrated air defense to facilitate our operations. We can do that. None of it will be easy, and the effort will require years, not months, and it will cost a lot of money. But it is the course on which we need to embark to deal with ISIL. My final point would be to say that if the leader of ISIL had a death wish, he has expressed it very effectively by beheading 
to Americans. Now, earlier there was a question, you know, about the millennials. And let me tell you that the millennials with whom I was privileged to serve, as I know Admiral McRaven expressed earlier, have earned, I think, the description of America's new greatest generation. And I would argue that the same is true of the generation writ large. The course I teach at the Honors College of the City University of New York, as Chen knows, is titled The Coming North American Decades. We are on the threshold of those North American decades. I was in a conference in London and I was asked, after America, what? And I said, North America. Not China, not the Asian century, not yet. Not coming soon to a theater near us. Given the forces that have been unleashed in the United States as a result of American innovativeness, entrepreneurship, capital markets, legal structures that allow you to sell the mineral rights under your land, all of this. Uh, which has led to the energy revolution, enabled by the IT revolution, some of whose pioneers are here in this room, which is further supporting the manufacturing revolution and indeed the life sciences revolution that we've heard a bit about here as well. That has not been luck. And Francis, with great respect, I would not say that you were lucky. I would remind you of what the great Roman philosopher Seneca reportedly said, and that is luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. The millennials have been proving that that adage is absolutely right. Thank you very much. We have, we have time for one question. If whoever can get to that microphone first. Thank you for a great uh, explanation of what's going on in the Middle East. It seems like one of the primary challenges that we face with ISIL is that their, uh, their funding comes in part from uh, kidnappings and ransoms yep. that some of our allies are willing to yes. pay, but we are not. Yep. How do we get our allies to cut it out? Well, we have to persuade them. Again, one of the coalition building efforts, believe it or not, will have to be to say that, you know, don't you realize what is happening? Uh, if you're a French citizen out within reach of these different extremist groups, uh, not just in the Middle East, but also in North Africa or even down into West Africa, you have a bullseye on your backside because of the fact that the extremists know that the government will ultimately pay them a ransom. It's a very, very difficult task to look some family in the eye, as in fact we've seen the, the mother of one of the recently beheaded journalists on CNN explain her disappointment with the United States uh, in, in how they handled it, despite the fact that JSOC forces did indeed conduct a very, very courageous and high-risk operation, sadly, uh, shortly after, I guess, the detainees had been moved. Uh, but this has been a point of frustration for a number of us over a number of years, but it does reinforce the conviction of the United States that you should not end up paying ransoms. Uh, to these individuals. By the way, this also points out that, again, this will require, combating ISIL will require, we may be conducting just counter-terrorist operations, although it's much more than that, frankly. But the overall campaign that will need to be conducted against ISIL in Iraq and also in Syria will be a counterinsurgency campaign. You have to conduct a comprehensive civil military effort. It's not just about killing bad guys or capturing them or running them off. It's also about standing up local governance in the wake of that, again, rebuilding 
infrastructure that's been destroyed, reestablishing basic services, getting schools, clinics, the rule of law, hugely important, reestablished. But the good news, I think, touch wood in Iraq, is that the government has so vastly more capability now than it had in 2007 during the surge when we had to do the reconciliation, we had to do the reconstruction, the electrical towers were on their sides, the pipelines were blown up, and we had to uh, fund a great deal of that as well. So Iraq has seen a terrible spiral downward in violence. It's tragic to see what happened uh, where Prime Minister Maliki alienated the very people with whom he and I together had sought to reconcile and to get the fabric of society back together. But that is where Iraq is. And it really has to go back and look at what we did during the surge in a very comprehensive way uh, to address that problem then, because that's exactly what is going to have to be done again now, with the exception that U.S. forces aren't going to have to do what we did during that time, nor will uh, we have to do what the government can do for itself this time. Very different in Syria, much longer, more complex, and more, more challenging uh, set of problems, uh, but one that also has to be taken on.